Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is the podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're working our way through the Gospel of John. Today is episode 118, and we're looking at John chapter 7, verses 45 through 53. Let's read the passage. Then the servants came to the chief priests and Pharisees, who asked them, Why didn't you bring him? The servants answered, No man ever spoke like this. Then the Pharisees responded to them, Are you fooled too? Have any of the rulers or Pharisees believed in him? But this crowd, which doesn't know the law, is accursed. Nicodemus, the one who came to him previously, and who was one of them, said to them, Our law doesn't judge a man before it hears from him and knows what he is doing, does it? You aren't from Galilee too, are you? They replied. Investigate, and you will see that no prophet arises from Galilee. Then each one went to his house. So Jesus has been at the temple during the festival of booths. He's been teaching at points saying that he is the living water. As the the final day of the festival was taking place, the, the water ceremony where the priests go down to the pool of Siloam and with the golden pitcher fill it with water, then it's a procession carrying it back into the city through the water gate, carrying it up to the altar of the temple and pouring it out there to a great fanfare and celebration as they thank God for the rain that they've received over the past year. They pray for the rain for the coming season and they remember that God's miraculous provisions for the Israelites as they wandered in the wilderness. And Jesus says, if you really are thirsty, then come to me for living water. And John adds, he's talking about the Holy Spirit, that those who believe in him will receive the Holy Spirit. Earlier, the chief priests and Pharisees had sent the, there says servants, but it's the temple guards, had sent them to go arrest Jesus. From the context, it seems that they didn't just say, go grab him and bring him here right now, or, or they would have, unless there was a physical altercation sounds like they probably told them to wait for an opportune moment. And so these guys were just hanging back, watching what was going on for a while. But part of the issue here is they heard what Jesus was saying. They heard what Jesus was teaching. They heard what Jesus was proclaiming. So in verse 45, it says, Then the servants came back to the chief priests and Pharisees who asked them, Why didn't you bring him? So now the the temple guards have returned to the the bosses who had sent them, the chief priests and the Pharisees, and they didn't bring Jesus with them. And and they're asked, why not? Just a note here, it talks about the chief priests and Pharisees. Remember, we're we're talking basically the rulers, the the religious leaders, the religious rulers. There's this 70-person Sanhedrin, the ruling council, uh, there in Jerusalem, who rules over the Jewish people. Now, they only have so much authority. We'll see that in the end when Jesus is crucified. They don't have the authority to have Jesus executed themselves. They have to go ask the governor to do that. But Rome pretty much allows local people to govern themselves to a certain extent. As long as the peace is kept and as long as the taxes are paid, they're pretty much left to their own devices. Now, there is 
a Roman government, there are Roman soldiers. And if the taxes don't get paid or there's a breach of peace, then the wrath of Rome will step in and they will set things in order. So the, the ruling elders, the, the Sanhedrin, they, they pretty much run things under the thumb of the Roman government. And there's these two classes of people, the, the Sadducees and the Pharisees. Now the Sadducees are more the aristocracy. They more uh, are associated with running the temple. The Pharisees are, are more about keeping the law and they more are involved with the running the synagogues. When the two of them really don't like each other, but they have to cooperate as best they can. So when it talks the chief priest, it's really talking about the Sadducee group and the Pharisees would be the rest of them. So together talking about the ruling council here. Well, why didn't you guys bring Jesus back to us? It was a simple enough directive. Verse 46, the servants answered, no man ever spoke like this. Notice they didn't say, we watched for two days and there was never an opportunity. There was never a time when Jesus wasn't surrounded by a very supportive crowd. And had we really tried to grab him, there would have been a riot. It would have been chaos. People would have gotten hurt. Uh, things would have gotten destroyed. It would have been really bad. Not that they would have gotten away with that excuse, but they could have offered that excuse. But notice they didn't. What's their excuse? They were impacted by Jesus. They, in hanging back, watching what went on, heard Jesus. They heard the message of Jesus and it impacted them. And they came back basically and said, we weren't comfortable arresting this guy because there's something about him and what they actually believed. Are they asking themselves, could this be the prophet? Could this be the Messiah? Because they're watching the, the crowd where some of them are saying, this is the prophet. Others are saying, this is the Messiah. Others are saying, he's off his rocker. But obviously he's impacted the, the temple guards to the point of, their, I suspect they're afraid to go lay hands on him and drag him before the council. They say, uh, we, uh, we don't know what to make of this guy, but he is something. No one spoke like this. Well, the Pharisees and the chief priests are, are not going to take that kind of excuse. Verse 47, then the Pharisees responded to them, are you fooled too? The implication, anyone who would believe anything this Jesus guy says is being fooled. They're being deceived. They're, they're incorrect. They're wrong. And then back it up in verse 48. Have any of the rulers or Pharisees believed in him? This is a real elitist attitude, but it's pretty common, actually. People who've searched the ancient rabbinic writings, there's, there's a real elitist attitude that... You know, we have put our life into studying these things, and we know it better than anyone else. Well, that may be true, but you need to have a little bit of humility, but they didn't. But, but that was their culture, is that we know better, uh, we are the keepers of the law, and nobody knows the law like we know the law, so anybody can't tell us anything because we know better than anybody. And that's a, a dangerous place to be when you know better than everybody and nobody can tell you anything. So they had this idea that oh, 
only they truly understood the law, and they certainly understood it better than anyone else. And the fact that none of them believed in Jesus should tell you something. If you want to know who to believe, well, look to us. We'll tell you who to believe. Then in verse 49, they put this crowd, that is, those who are believing in Jesus, they, which doesn't know the law is accursed. So they are stupid. They don't know the law like we know the law. And they're actually under God's curse because they're going astray. They're turning aside from the law. And they are uh, falling for something. Now, we need to stand for truth. And we need to oppose error. And the more we study the Bible, the more we know the truth. And, and the better off we are, the better we're able to see error and oppose error. But even when we see error, and we see obvious error, we still need a dose of humility. And when we see people going astray, when we see people twisting the, the scripture, when we see people teaching things that are contrary to the scripture, people embracing false doctrines and false religions, we need to oppose it. We need to stand against it, but always with a healthy dose of humility. It's not that these people are stupid. They may be deceived, and many of them are, but we uh, be careful that we don't assume a uh, an air of superiority, that we know so better than they do because we're so much smarter than them. So stand for truth, reject error, but do so with a lot of humility. Verse 50, Nicodemus, the one who came to him previously and who is one of them, said to them, Our law doesn't judge a man before it hears from him and knows what he's doing, does it? Now, we saw Nicodemus back in chapter 3, and it said, told us there he was a Pharisee. We know he's one of the, the ruling elders. He is part of the Sanhedrin. We also know he's a Pharisee. But we know he's come and talked to Jesus. He didn't go away a believer, but he went away believing something. He uh, seems to believe something about Jesus. We don't know how much, but we'll see You know, in the end when he's part of the group that goes to Pilate to get the body of Jesus to give him a proper burial. But he brings up their own rules, their own law. And, and it's ironic that here the keepers of the law are not following the law. They are violating their own law and how they're dealing with Jesus. And so Nicodemus is calling on it that, hey, maybe we should follow the law and hear from someone first. And their reply to, to Nicodemus is this elitist attitude, even amongst themselves. You aren't from Galilee too, are you? They replied, investigate. You'll see no prophet arises from Galilee. They know the law. They know the Bible. Well, not as well as they think they do, but they uh, are convinced that Jesus can't be a prophet because there's nowhere in the Old Testament that says a prophet will come from Galilee. And so they know what God can do, what God can't do, and this is generally in the category of things God can't do, bring a prophet from Galilee. Therefore, we disregard Jesus completely. Our minds are made up. There's no convincing us otherwise. Then each one went to his house. What's the lesson for us here? Well, as I already pointed out, be careful of this elitist attitude. And, and some, the danger is the more we study, the more we know, the, the more we do know, the, the more we are grounded in truth. But 
that should also raise our level of humility because the more we know should give us a clue of how much we don't know and how far we really fall short of what God has called us to be, what God has called us to do. So even Paul talked about himself being chief among the sinners because Paul recognized his own sinfulness and that uh, rather than taking an air of superiority, it raised his recognition of how far he still had to go. So while we oppose error, we support truth, we study to know truth even better, it should also raise our level of humility. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working through the Gospel of John.